this time that we can have together. We thank you, God, for Palm Sunday, God, that if there wasn't a Palm Sunday, there couldn't be an Easter Sunday. And God, we just thank you, God, that you chose willingly to give your lives for each one of us, that we can have life. And God, that is awesome, that we can have life because you willingly gave your life. God, I pray that you would be with us today. Just every word that we preach, every word that we say, God, I pray that people would listen, they would hear, that they would apply to their lives. And we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. We're going to continue again our series that we have been dealing with for the whole month now of March. Talking about still empty. How the disciples went to the tomb and an angel stood there and said, Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He's alive. He's alive. And because he lives, the word of God tells us that we can live. He came to give us life and he gave us life abundantly. And I want to teach every one of us, I truly believe, one of the greatest keys that we have to tap in to the life of Jesus is the power of prayer. The ability that every one of us has to pray, the power that's released when we pray through prayer. And I know I say this a lot, but if you missed Wednesday night, you need to go online to our website and you need to listen to that message or request one of the CDs after service because we taught a message on Sunday or Wednesday night rather about hearing from God. How we need to develop a discipline of stillness in our life, getting alone with God so He can speak to us. And I've got to watch because I'll start preaching that message again because it's some good stuff. But here's what we said. Here's a great saying that we said on Wednesday night. And that is this, to not know stillness is not to know God. I want you to think about that. To not know stillness is not to know God. Now you may read that and say, I agree with that. You may read that and say, you know what? I disagree with that. Well, let me tell you, whether you agree or disagree or not, God said it. And if God said it, I like what Dan said in our small group. He said, if God said it, that's enough for me. How do you know God said it? Psalms 46 verse 10, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And today I want to take really the last two weeks that we've been teaching on prayer and I want to take it another step further. Last week we talked about when God seems like he's four days too late, but he's right on time. We talked about don't put a period where God puts a comma. But you know what? There's also a frustration, I believe. There's an anguish. There's a pain. There's a hurt that we deal with when we just feel like our prayers are unanswered. I want to talk today about how we deal with unanswered 
prayers. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7, verse 7, an incredible promise from God. The Bible says, Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door or it will be opened unto you. The promise is, if I ask, it will, I will receive. If I seek, I will find. And if I knock, those impossibilities would be opened unto me. And that's great. And thank God for those promises. And and we should rejoice in those promises. And the actual thought of this verse is not just to ask once, not just to seek once, not just to knock once, but it's a continued petition before God. Ask, ask, ask. Seek, seek, seek. Knock, knock, knock. But how do we deal with the fact when we ask, we seek, and we knock that it seems like there is still no answer? Wow, that's tough. That's a tough deal right there. I have people come in my office and talk to me all the time. And they say to me, you know what, Pastor? You know what? I've been really praying for my marriage. You know, I really took to heart what you've been telling me. And I really prayed for my marriage. And I've been really believing God for him to turn around every situation. But Pastor, you know what? This week it's got worse. I've had people come in and say to me, you know what, Pastor, I've been praying for a job and and I've been going to all these interviews. But you know what? It seems the more interviews I get, the more rejected I feel because no one wants to hire me. What's the deal? I've been asking God, but yet still I'm jobless. I've also had people turn around and say, Pastor, I started to pray for my husband to stop drinking and he came home drunk again last night. Can I give you one from the Pimlot household? That's our house. And let me give you an up-to-date one from our house. Kelly, my wife, started reading that book by Mark Batterson, The Circle Maker. She was really challenged by God just to really draw a circle and really believe in prayer for our children like never before. Just to pray for their blessing, pray for their health, pray for their schooling, just their careers and everything. And as she really made a determination to really begin to pray, it seemed like all hell broke out against our family. Come on, the kids got sick. We had sickness in our house for like a week and a half, two weeks. Seemed like one after the other, they were just passing it backwards and forwards. Okay, who's sick today? And then in the middle of it all, our daughter Maddie, in her senior year of high school, she is the captain of our softball team, took a softball in the face and fractured her jaw in three places and had to undergo surgery on Thursday. And her mouth is now shut and she cannot. I mean, it's just been a tough time. Can I tell you the conversation that me and my wife had today? And you may be shocked, but we have the same conversations in our house as what you have. Come on, we have the same conversation. Here's how our conversation went. Philip, I don't know what's going on. That's what Kelly said. I don't know what's going on. I've really been praying specifically for our kids. I mean, really praying for our kids. And it just seems like when I started to pray that all hell has broke loose against them. And this is the conversation that went. And I know that you all have had the same conversation. She said, not that I doubt God and I'm not going to stop praying, but it makes me begin to question, am I really doing any good since I'm praying for our kids. Now, we're not going to stop praying. We're going to keep believing. But we feel that way many times, don't we? Seems the more we pray, sometimes the darkest the night gets. But you've got to realize there's a truth here. What are you talking about? There's a truth here. Look at this saying, and I've used this many times when I've preached, but it's a fantastic saying, and it says this, A thief does not break into an empty house. 
So if the devil is coming to take something from you, to discourage you, to silence your prayer, it it means that if your breakthrough is not happening yet, you are so close to it coming. Come on, the thief wants to come in to steal, kill and destroy. But God says, I've come that you may have life. We've got to keep praying. We've got to keep believing. Because if our prayers are facing opposition, we're probably praying the right thing. Because Satan realizes greater than we do the power that we have in prayer. Satan realizes more than we do as children of God, the power that's available to us when we pray. When we pray. So what does he do? He discourages. He attacks. He causes circumstances and situations to be diverse against you. For what reason? Because he does everything within his power to stop you from trusting God and believing God. But I'm telling you right now, it's not time to quit. It's time to dig a ditch. Come on, it's time to pray a prayer greater than you've ever prayed before. Because if you're walking in opposition with Satan or you're facing him, that's a good thing. Because if you're not facing him and you're not facing the opposition, that means he's walking with you. And the last time I checked, the people you walk with are your friends. And that means he's a friend if he's walking beside you. Come on, you're going to have some obstructions. You're going to have some adversity along the way. But we can keep praying and we can keep believing God. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. You know, when it feels like your prayers are not being answered, it's not a time to quit praying. It's not a time to quit praying. But maybe it's a time to look at the prayers that we are praying. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Let me give you a great table. That's something that I saw many years ago. But it it is such an incredible table that I think will really help every one of you today. Here it is. If the request is wrong, God says no. And you better be thankful that he says that. Come on, you better be thankful. Hold on to that thought because we're going to get back to it, okay? But you better be thankful that God loves you enough to say no. Second one, if the timing is wrong, God says slow. Now, sometimes slow can be like a no in our lives. Why? Because we're going to discuss that a little bit later. But hold on to that thought too. So you're holding on to those thoughts today? If you are wrong, God says grow. God says you've got to grow. Now, I'll tell you to hold on to that, but your hands are already full. (laughs) Sorry, you missed that. Wasn't that good, I know anyway. But think about that. If you are wrong, God says, I've got to grow. But notice, if the request is right, if the timing is right, if you and I are right, God says what? Go. God says green light. Yes. Take it on. Go. So I want to work through this today with you, if I could. That we can have a look at the wrong request. We can have a look at the wrong timing. That we can look at our lives, how we're wrong and how it will affect the outcome of the prayers that we really pray. So we're going to look at if the request is wrong. Do you know that we can have the wrong request? Do you know that we can have inappropriate requests in our lives? That we can ask for the wrong thing? We all have them. Listen to me. We all have them. And it's a struggle that we're going to constantly face in our lives, asking the wrong things in our lives. And let's face it, some prayer requests, no matter how well-intentioned, are inappropriate for our lives. We can have the best intentions all we want, but if it's not right, come on, I'm glad God says no. 
We see example after example of this actually in the Word of God. We see it even from the disciples of Jesus, the 12 that he hand chose. Surely they would get it right. No, they did not. And in fact, even two out of the three that were known as the inner circle, Peter, James and John. James and John one day, and you can read the story in Luke 9, verse 51 through 56. We're not going to read it for the sake of time, but check up and make sure I'm telling you the truth. Luke 9, 51 through 56, that one day they went to a certain Samaritan village and the people didn't receive Jesus there. So you know what James and John did, the great people that they were? They went to Jesus and said, we've got a plan. Jesus said, okay, what's the plan? Here's what we want you to do. Would you call fire down from heaven to consume all these people? Now, I know you've never prayed a prayer like that. Hopefully not. But look at the disciples. Their heart was wrong. It was a wrong request. If they're going to reject you, Jesus, then just call fire down from heaven and consume every one of them. Jesus not only says no to their request, but notice what else he does. He rebukes them. He says, you're of the wrong spirit. That's not the spirit of God. That's not what I've come here on this earth to do. So if people who were close to Jesus that walked and talked with him, could have the wrong request. What makes us think that we can be any different from that? But you know why Jesus has to say no? I want to tell you why Jesus has to say no. Because he is too loving to say yes. Come on, he is too loving to say yes. If the disciples, as I said, could be so self-serving, materialistic, short-sighted, immature. We've got to watch that we don't fall into that same trap. Because he is too loving to say yes. And you know what I would say to that? I wouldn't want God to do anything less than that. I want God to deny my request if my request is wrong. And I want God to say no. Come on. I, I want God to deny me and say no. Why? Admittedly, let's, be, let's admit it. We don't always feel that way at the time. We're like, God, what's the deal? I mean, I asked you, I asked you and I seeked you, seeked you and I knocked and knocked and you didn't answer. And we want him to answer. But you know what? Later we look back and say, thank God. Come on, thank God. How many of you in here have ever said, thank God for an unanswered prayer? Come on. God only knows who you would have been married to. Do I hear an amen? Come on. God only knows where you would have gone because if he had given you everything that you asked, everything that you wanted, we would be in trouble. We could probably talk for hours and maybe even days of thank God for that prayer that wasn't answered. But yet at the time, what was it? We thought it was the right prayer and we were upset when God didn't answer. We felt robbed. We felt cheated. But thank God he loves us enough to say no. If it's the wrong request for your life. You see, what we thought would complete our lives, God knew it wouldn't. What we thought would do the job for us, God says it's not even close. And that's not the best I have for you. So God says, no, 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 no. You know, another problem that we have after the wrong request is the wrong motive. The wrong motive Now, I know none of you ever suffer with this one, but I I have to tell you, this is a struggle that I still face in my life. The wrong motive for why I pray those things. I don't think any of us intentionally wake up in the morning and intentionally approach God and say, God, I'm just going to come to you today with the wrong request. Just going to come to you with the wrong motive and just throw it out there and just see how you do. I don't think so. We do it 
most of the time out of ignorance and not really realizing what we're doing. I want to give you the number one most famous wrong request. Here is the number one most famous wrong request that we ask. Are you ready? Write it down. Get ready. Here it is. Here it is. I'm going to help you all today. Here's the number one wrong request. Here it is. Oh God, please change the other person. Oh God, if only you would just change my husband. Oh God, if you would just change my wife. Oh God, if you could just change my kids. In fact, don't just change them. Give me a couple of new ones. Oh God, if you could just change my boss, then my world would be complete. Please, God, please, come on. How many have prayed a prayer that went something like that? Thank you for your honesty. Everyone else in this house is lying right now. Because we've all prayed that. We've all prayed, God, if you could just change that, if you could just change them, and what happens? What about us? What about the prayer for us? Now, you know it's not wrong for us to pray that God would change someone. We've got to understand that. We are all here today because someone prayed that God would change our hearts. As we pray, God's word shows us that he softens the hearts of people. As we pray, God can set people free from addictions and strongholds. As we pray, God can save those who are lost. And we understand that. But, come on, say with me, but. But, too often our motive behind the request is not an authentic concern for the other person. But, it's just an unwillingness inside of every one of us that we don't want to change. If God, you can change them, I don't have to change. Do you notice that? If God, if you can just fix them, because obviously they're the problem, then all of a sudden I have the answer. It's amazing, isn't it, that we pray that God would do something that's out of our control, but yet what's in our control we forget all about. We pray that God would do everything to them, but yet God's placed who in your control? Yourself. And you need to start making the right choices and the decisions for your own life. And let God worry about them. Give them to God. Trust God. But don't be praying, God, just change them. Pray, God, first change me. God, first change my heart. But you see, if God only, if they would only. You know what our prayer sounds like when we pray like that? Here's how it goes. God, I don't want to face my own shortcomings. I don't even want to work on this relationship anymore. I don't want to even change at all. Instead, God, I want that other person to change and accommodate for all my personal needs. So I'm asking God that you would change him or her. Come on, you still love me in the house? Come on, you better love the fact that you're in a house where someone loves you enough to tell you the truth. To present to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, when I took a church, it wasn't for me to worry about whether you liked me or not. That's not important to me. All I want is for you to love him. Now, you may not like me on the process of that, but I'm telling you, I just want you to like him. Because you're going to realize what we're teaching you here is the truth. You see, when we begin to pray prayers such as that, we've got to expect a no from God. Why? Because if we're unwilling to change, the circumstance and the situation will never change. 
So we can so often have a wrong motive. And I'm so glad that he's loving enough that he has to say no to that. Another reason is, is it my glory or is it for his glory? So often it can be my glory and not his. That I want it for me instead of for him. Just think about what I said right there. Because again, many of us say, oh no, no. I'm going to still pay my tithes if I get that promotion. I'm going to do that. We have the greatest intentions, but yet many times it's for the wrong glory. On the first message we preached, I said something that went like this. Getting what you and I want isn't the goal. So when we're teaching you how to pray, it's not the goal of teaching you how to pray is that you can just get anything that you want. That's not the goal. That's not what God gave us the great gift of prayer for. But here's what it is. Here's the goal of what prayer wants to do in your life. The goal is glorifying God by God giving you the promises and the miracles and the dreams that he has with your name on. Notice the difference. The glory is not what I get. That's not the goal. But the glory is that I get what God wants me to have. That I receive everything that God has purposed for my life. The best things that he has for my life. That's the goal. But yet so many times, like a little child that doesn't get their wishes, what do we do? We kick and scream and we holler and we say, God, I want it and I want it now. But it's for our own glory. But when we get it for his glory... The rewards and the blessings are going to blow us away. Let me try and explain my glory versus his. It wouldn't be wrong, would it, in business? If you had a business, would you be wrong to pray that God would bless your business? No, if you've got the right motive. If you've got the wrong motive, that's wrong. Because if you're praying that God would bless your own business so you can to someone else and you can throw it in their face, Or you can just go off and you can lavish yourself with all this kind of lifestyle and live. And you can forget God because now you're so busy to go to church because you've got so much business. How many knows with the wrong motive, God would not answer a prayer like that? And thank God he doesn't. It's the same even with this church. I mean, it's not wrong and I think we should pray and we do pray. God, build this house. Bring people in from the north, the south, the east, the west. Bring families in, restore families. Bring those who need to be set free and delivered and saved. And we pray that God would build this house. And with the right motive, that prayer is okay. But you realize even with the wrong motive, a prayer like building the house of God is still wrong. Because if I'm asking God to build this house so I can be seen, if I'm asking God to build this house so the people of this community can want to worship me because look what I'm doing and look who I am, if I am asking with the wrong motive, if my heart is wrong, thank God he's too loving to say yes. But he has to say no. Listen to this. We can fool ourselves into thinking selfish requests are appropriate, but we cannot fool God. How many times have we been fooled? I'm not asking for a show of hands, but we've been fooled many times. He hasn't been fooled once. He hasn't been fooled once. In fact, when we come to God, we're an open book to him. 
He sees everything about us. He sees the motive of our heart. When he chose King David out of his brothers, in man's eyes, David wasn't the choice. In fact, David was forgotten by his family. Read the story that when the prophet came to Jesse and said, I'm going to anoint one of your kings or one of your sons to be the next king of Israel, David was forgotten. He brought Eliab, he brought his oldest son, a handsome young guy, the Bible tells us. One that would have been fitting to be the king of Israel, but God says no. And he went down the line till finally the last son was presented. And Samuel scratched in his head and said, Jesse, something's wrong here. And you know what was wrong? There was still one. A little shepherd boy who was forgotten even to the party. But the prophet said, go and get him and we are not going to rest until he comes. And when a little kid stood in front of a prophet, his heart leapt inside of him and oil began to flow because that was the anointed and the chosen of God. Why? It wasn't because of the outward appearance. It was because of his heart. God, change our heart. If our motive is wrong, change our heart. That we would ask for the right things. That we would not fool ourselves. Because God begins with the heart of man. God knows when our motives are destructive. And therefore he protects us from them. God is doing it to protect you. He's not doing it to rob you. He's doing it to further your life. He has to because he is too loving to say yes. And therefore he has to say, help me out. He has to say In a book called Too Busy Not to Pray by Bill Hybels, he gives a really cool chart that I want to call the glory checklist. I think this will really help us when we're praying and saying, God, is it for your glory? Is it for mine? That we can look at this. Look at this. Number one, you've got to ask yourself this. Will it bring glory to him? And what I will add this, it's not just bringing glory to him at that immediate moment, but will it continue to bring glory to him? Because like I said, many of us will turn around and say, God, if you give me a good job, praise God, it's going to bring glory. My tithe is going to double. I'm going to be there. But what are we talking about continues? Is your tithe going to continue to increase? Is your faithfulness going to continue to increase? Or are you going to find it starting to decrease and going down? It's not just bringing glory to him at one time. It's a constant. Will this continue to bring glory to him? Is this going to build or advance the kingdom of God? Is there going to be blessings that are going to come as a result of this? It's like these athletes, isn't it? And these people who who live for God, they have the opportunity to give glory to God so many times. I want to thank Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And if it wasn't for him, they have the opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. They have the opportunity to give the glory to God. But let me tell you this, not everyone who stands and says that is really a child of God. Will it help other people? The most amazing thing is this, that we think so many times that we're exclusive. But yet when we realize it's going to help other people, we're inclusive. We're included in that. That when we touch other people, God's going to touch us. Come on, when, when we do it right and it's for his glory, we'll receive the rewards for that. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. Look at this one. Will it help me grow spiritually? Is this going to further my life? Is this going to build my relationship with God or is it going to make me walk away? Is it going to make me so busy that I have no more time for God? I mean, you've got to really look at that and ask yourself those questions. Is it for him or is it for me? 
By saying no and not granting our request, it forces us to two different responses. The first response is this, we can rebel against God and say, well, God, forget you anyway, I don't need you. I'm just going to do what I want. Now, I know we don't physically say that by the actions of our life. That's exactly what we do say. That, God, I'm just going to do whatever I want, no matter what. I've asked you, and you obviously haven't come through. But may I remind you again that no is just as much an answer as yes. And many times it's a better answer. So it forces us to either rebel or for us to examine ourselves and say, God, if the answers are not coming through, maybe my request is wrong. God, maybe my motive is wrong. God, maybe the glory aspect of this is all screwed up and I've got it backwards. And I'm all, What begins to happen is when there's a delay in or a saying of no, it gives us the opportunity to really examine the prayer that we've prayed and really ask God to give us wisdom. I'm not teaching a message like this to confuse you when you turn around and say, man, God, how do I pray now? I mean, what's going on? Can I help you? Or share with you how I pray. I pray like this. God, I want this. I want that. Would you do this? However, God, here's what I ask. That your will would be done. I hope I'm praying his will. But I've realized that I'm human. And I don't always pray with right motive, with right request and for the right glory. So I always say, God, if it's not your will, don't give it to me. I say this so many times to people. And they'll come to me and they'll say, Pastor Philip, I've got the opportunity for a great job. And I'm like, praise God, that's awesome. But here's how we're going to pray. If that's an open door, we're going to pray that God would open that door and nothing on this earth would ever be able to close it. But if that's not the door that God has for you, we're praying that God would slam that door, show shut in your face so quick that you would realize that's not where you need to go. You see, we're not trying to confuse you in the prayers we pray. We're trying to give you the foundations of truth that will help you pray. That you allow the Holy Spirit to be the... The Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. If you want to know how to pray, the Holy Spirit can teach you how to pray. That inner presence of God that wants to be there, the Holy Spirit that wants to help you, that wants to equip you. The Bible says when we don't know what what to pray and how to pray, He can make intercession for us. He's a great teacher, but one thing I've discovered is this. You can have the greatest teacher in the world, but if you don't show up to school, it's going to be of no avail. You and I have got to show up. We've got to show up and say, teach me, Lord. Teach me how to pray. We've got to be prepared to review our requests. To step back and really say, God, is that what you really want? Is that really the right request? Is that really the right motive? Is that really for the right glory? Because too often our prayers are like this, a cop-out on our behalf. Did you hear what I said? Too often our prayers are a cop-out on our behalf. Too often our prayers are what? An unwillingness to face the real issues. You've gone quiet on me. Too often our prayers are are destructive in ways that we don't even understand or we can't see or we refuse to want to see. Too often our prayers are self-serving for our glory, but yet we try to label it as His. I just want to talk a bit, if I could, about for His glory. 
Because I want you to see something, because sometimes when we think about his glory, we have sometimes the wrong thought that can come into our mind, that God's just an egotistical person. It's all about him. I see how he, it's just about him. You've got to understand something. When we talk about the glory of God, it, yes, it's all about him, but it also is all about you. Let me say that one more time. Yes, it's all about him. And he deserves all the glory and he deserves all the honor. You woke up this morning because he's still on the throne. Come on, you've got breath in your body because he gave it to you. You've got abilities to go out and make a living for your family and strength. Why? Because he chose to give it to you. You better realize that it's all about him. But yet in it being all about him, there is something left for every one of us. And it's not just the scraps from the table. Let me show you what I mean. Look what it says in Hebrews 11 verse 6. The Bible tells us, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, I hope we all understand that. That if we don't have relationship, if we don't have faith, if we don't have trust in God, if we're not placing our lives in Him, then we can never be pleasing to Him. Why? Because then our lives are contrary to Him. And God cannot look upon us with favor and delight. But God looks upon us when we surrender and we confess our shortcomings, our faults. So without faith, it's impossible to live for Him, to serve Him, to be in right standing with God, to be pleasing with Him. But look on, it says, for he, notice small h, that's you and I. For he who comes to God must believe that what? He is, capital H. Here's the problem that we have so many times. We put ourselves in the second he and we begin to think that we is. I know it's bad grammar, but it works right here. Come on, we begin to believe that we is the one. I mean, I am it. Come on, I've got it all going. God's blessed my life. Look at me. We can watch that pride can come in so much that we begin to elevate ourselves. Come on, help me out here. But what? We have got this drastically wrong. And we've got to see this. This is something we've got to see. We've got to see that it's about Him. It's about His glory. That we must believe that He is what? He's awesome. He's incredible. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's worthy of the praise. He is it. He's the bee's knees. He's got it going. He's the big kahuna. He's whatever you want to call it. He is it. Okay? But notice notice this. That when we believe that He is that... Guess what? He, capital H, the one we're giving glory to, he is what? A rewarder of who? Every one of us that seeks to make his name great. God says he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, that don't want what they want, but they want what he wants. And when we pray and seek his glory like that, God says there's rewards that come back to our lives. Look what it says in Luke 6 verse 38. Give, stop there. Give. Give what? Give glory. Give honor. Give your life. Give your tithes. Give your passion. Give everything you have to God. Give him the glory. Give him the honor. And what's the promise? And it will be given to you. Come on, I'm preaching in the house right now. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. God's going to put it into your life for with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You see, we rob ourselves of the blessings if all we want is the glory. Because God can have to say no to that. But when it's for his glory, guess what? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And notice with the same measure that you use, it's going to be given back to you. 
Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 8. It says, but he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as what? He purposes in his heart. Here's the purpose of our heart that God is speaking about. Is it for his glory or is it for mine? What is my heart? Is it for him or is it for me? Because we see when the right purpose is in our heart, we will not give grudgingly. Come on, when it's all about God, nothing's too much for Him. Come on, we're not figuring it out to the nearest cent and dime. We're giving above and beyond. God, what is it you want me to do? Because when it's all about His glory, come on, we get excited about that. We give not grudgingly. We don't give out of necessity or need. And notice what happens. God takes delight. And those who give him glory, because the Bible says God loves, his favor is upon those that what? That give God all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And I love what verse 8 says, and I took it from the NIV version. That's the nearly it version, by the way. And it says this, and God is, we used to have a guy at church years ago when I was a kid, if it wasn't the King James, then God didn't really speak. So he used to always call this the nearly it version. And it says, and God is able, notice this, to bless you abundantly. What's just gone before this? When he receives the glory, this is the rewards that comes to your life. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You should be shouting with that one because God says a whole lot of alls in there. All times, all things, all needs. God says, I'm able to give them to you. I know I went on a little tangent today, but we've got to watch because our self-serving attitude will rob us from the rewards and the blessings that God has for our lives. And thank God he says no, because if he said yes to those things, it would be a short-lived joy for our lives. And God's not in the short-lived joy. He's in the continual blessings and the continual rewards that he has for every one of us. We can get so short-sighted. We can begin to pray so small. That God has to say, if it's the wrong request, if it's the wrong motive, if it's the wrong glory, God has to say, no. I know I'm only one third through the message, so let me just highlight just the last part of this message. I haven't got time. Let me just give you the skeleton to it and you can work around it. Here's our prayer chart again. God says if the request is no, wrong, God has to say no. If the timing is wrong, God has to say, slow. Many of us don't like that word slow because to many of us that word slow is just like no. We live such an instant society today. We want everything right now. And in fact, if you give it to me now, you're already too late. Come on, we've got express lanes in the grocery stores. We've got fast passes at Disney World and all these. We just want it fast. We want it quick. Come on, everything now is in a microwave. If we don't have it in a couple of minutes, man, it's too late. That computer that you loved so much a couple of months ago was the fastest thing you ever did. Now you're waiting and you're like, man, this is so slow. Why? Because that's how. But we've got to watch that. We've got to guard against that mentality in our prayer life. Because when God says slow, this is what God's saying. Not yet. Not yet. And parents, we can laugh at those words because they bring remembrance. They bring memories. We can smile or perhaps cringe at those words because we remember with our kids. Remember, Dad, can I have this? Not yet. Dad, can we do this? Not yet. Are we there yet? Not yet. 
And the problem is many times when you say the not yet, 99.9% of the time, that not yet is greeted with a groan or a complaint. Oh, when? I mean, come on. Come on, anyone have real kids like mine? Anyone who was a real kid like me? But notice this. I, I put this on my Facebook or our Facebook page this week. Look at this. God understands your sense of God understands your sense of urgency, but he always works in your best interests. God knows that what you need, but he also knows when you need it. And that's the problem we have because we want it right now. But if God gives it to us prematurely, it's just like a baby. A baby has to stay in the womb for a certain amount of time. If it's not birthed at the right time, there can be complications. There can be problems. There can perhaps even be a loss of life. There's a time. There's a season. It's the same with God. There's times that we want to rush God. We want to push God. But we've got to realize this. God knows our urgency, but he also knows our best interests. And he set it all up for us. You know what? Instead of questioning the not yet, we've got to trust the Father. We've got to trust that God knows best because we are questioning and all-knowing and all-loving and all-giving and all-powerful and all-able God when he says not yet. We've got to trust God. Thank God he's not intimidated by your childish desires. But when, like a good parent, guess what? We know what's best for our kids and we know when's best for our kids. And God is like that. God uses the not yet to slow us down to his plan and purpose. A plan that's going to take us to places that we only dreamed of. A plan that wants to build your character, who you are, to instill qualities inside of you like endurance, trust, patience, submission. And we see this in in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Look what God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than yours. God's not saying there that my thoughts are so high that you'll never grasp them. What God is saying is sometimes you're not always going to see it. At the moment, you may not understand it. But let me tell you something. My thoughts are beyond your thoughts. I know the ways that are best for your life. And will you just trust me in that? Will you just trust me in that? Look at the prayer chart. If the request is wrong, God has to say no. If the timing is wrong, God has to say slow. If you are wrong, God says you've got to grow. There's things that are wrong in your life. God would do you no justice to answer your prayers if you are wrong. But God gives us the opportunity to get right so we'll have the right request, the right motive, the right glory, the right timing. And then he can say, go, 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 go. You see, God wants to deal with every one of us in this way. He wants to make us into his image and likeness. And if God is going to reward anything that's not going to make us in his image, if God's going to bless anything that's not what he wants for our lives, guess what? It's just going to destroy us. So there's things in our lives, perhaps today in your life, in my life, that are wrong, that God says, we need to have a change. There needs to be growth. There needs to be development. And through the times of no and through the times of slow, I believe we really learn how to grow. That it can give us the opportunity to examine our hearts and our lives. And that's what God wants us to do. I love that when we come around communion once a month and the scripture says, but let a man examine himself. God gives you and I the opportunity to look at our hearts. But here's the criteria he uses, his word. 
He doesn't ask you to examine yourself on what you think is going on. God says, here's what should be. Here's the model. Where do you fit in that? And I thank God that his grace and mercy is available to every one of us. That instead of just cutting us off, God says, just grow. Just grow. So if the request is wrong, God has to say no. If the timing's wrong, God's got to say slow. If you're wrong, God's got to say grow. But you know what? If the request is right, if the timing's right, and if you're right, God says, go, 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 go. No good thing will he withhold from those who what? Walk uprightly. Come on, I just want you to really examine and really look and realize, yes, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. But you know what? Don't ask for something that's wrong. Don't seek something that's not in the time frame that God has for you. And don't knock in places that you have no business to be. Make sure that you're asking right, seeking right, and you're knocking in the right places. And that's why God says, no, slow and grow so you can go. So you can go. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.